You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm tired of looking for silver linings, okay? Uh, because this team has to decide it's going to do whatever it takes to change it. And we had opportunities today. But again, I can't say enough about Wisconsin's defense. Their coaches do an unbelievable job. They got good players. They got veteran players. Uh, they got a couple difference makers. And we had some guys on offense that, that played their best game and, and competed toe-to-toe with a really good defense. You know, I think we, we have to take it one at a time, and we have to focus on beating Maryland. Right now it's kind of still the 24-hour rule and kind of regroup, watch this last game, and then we'll move on to Maryland and uh, plan on winning. You know, that's, that's what it comes down to. We're going to be determined, we're going to fight, and uh, we're not going to quit. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan around Washat and Nate Klaus as Nebraska off a loss to Wisconsin, but they, they played better in a lot of areas. Um, they put an effort out there. I think everybody, if you're a Nebraska fan, I don't think very many Nebraska fans uh, thought the Huskers had a chance last week in that game. They were undermanned in a lot of key areas, especially with Carlos Davis and Darian Daniels out. Um, but some things looked like what we finally thought they would look like for Nebraska, especially on offense. Um, and that was, you know, Scott Frost didn't want to say it, but the silver lining of that game. And now you go out to Maryland, uh, Nate Klaus and, and Robin Washett and, um, this is a game that Nebraska should win. I mean, I think the spread, when you look at it right now at four, Robin, it should be higher than four. I mean, you just take away the Rutgers game where Rutgers had a lame duck coach days after Chris Ash was fired and a bunch of Rutgers players voluntarily took their red shirts before that game. Maryland has been outscored 49-13 to 13 in their seven other Big Ten conference games. Yeah, so I mean that in that regard, yes, this should be a game Nebraska win. Nebraska is the better team, and as bad as things have gone this year, they've been going worse at Maryland, to where that program is in you know complete dumpster fire right now. But uh, I think that spread is reflective of people not trusting Nebraska. To, One and nine versus spread to, Nebraska to go on the road and win a game they're supposed to win. It hasn't happened in so long uh, that people are reluctant to actually uh, or go, go out on a limb and assume that this is going to be the week that they finally do it. Uh, this is a high-pressure game. I mean, the, the you know, Ryan Held this, uh, on Wednesday said that they, the message to the team from the staff has been every game is the Super Bowl from here on out. You have no room for error now, uh, and even, regardless of your opponent, you have to execute at a high level for four quarters and do it on the road. Well, that just hasn't happened all season. They have not played a complete game all year. Uh, neither side of the ball has played four full quarters of good football, uh, and they've been terrible on the road. And so I think that's where you get that small line against an opponent that, in all other theory, would be far inferior than what uh, what Nebraska is right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at every every aspect of this game, Nebraska should clearly not just win, but I think they should win comfortably. But you know what they're nine one and nine against the spread and one and nine uh during the you know scott frost's first 10 road games in during mm-hmm. his tenure here so um there's no i don't think there is such a, a thing as a as a gimme on the road uh for this team until they start to prove it so uh, that to me is the big is the big thing but um yeah i i feel fairly confident about this game in nebraska's chances there but at the same time, you know, it's is is this going to be a week where where they play more of a complete game, um, you know, or or do those you know those uh, mistakes or turnovers or whatever kind of rear their ugly head and and all of a sudden you find yourself in a dogfight out in Maryland. And it was an interesting weekend uh, going into the Wisconsin game. Nebraska announced hours before kickoff 
a two-year contract extension for Scott Frost. Um, and, and you can look at that in a lot of different ways. But I just think it sent a clear message that this is not Steve Peterson. This is not um, uh, Sean Eichhorst and previous leaderships. Um, I mean, they, they are behind their coach. Everybody is on the same page from chancellor to AD to coach. And, you know, they, they wanted to get that out there because we've seen – and no one's saying Scott Frost was in any kind of jeopardy um, but just to, to reassure the commitment of the school, adding two more years to make the contract seven years out um, was a big message by Ronnie Green, who initiated the talks um, for the renewal. And then obviously Bill Moose you know, he walks out at midfield and shakes Scott Frost's hand before kickoff. I mean, it's just such a different picture, Robin, than what we saw even in like the I-Course era. Nebraska beats Penn State and Michigan on the road, and I-Course is nowhere near the locker room. They yeah. beat Georgia. I mean, think about it. They beat Penn State, Georgia, and Michigan in the same season, and the AD wanted to fire the coach. <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, isn't that nuts when you say it like that today? Yeah, and so that, that picture, uh, like you mentioned, that they're trying to paint is one of stability, and that's something that Nebraska hasn't had in a long, long time. You know, there's been dissension from one level or another, uh, basically – since Solich got fired and you know for whatever reason um, you know that's been something I think that's held Nebraska back as much as anything. Now Osborne coming back brought it for a little bit. Yeah. Then Perlman when he called the Associated Press to rip Bo Pelini after the AM game that that's when it ended at that yeah. point. So again it's uh, stability has been few and far between uh, over the last couple decades here and so uh, that is clearly a message and you know I know but there's no real talk about any hot seat but uh, I'm sure that that was coming I mean with Nebraska struggling you know they compare you know, a lot of national people putting Frost's record through X amount of games compared to Riley's and well they fired Riley with, for doing better than this it's like well th- it's not even a thought right now with Nebraska and you know what we're going to back it up by extending this coach who has won those games two more years to eliminate that entire conversation and, and whether it's it's in the recruiting scene or uh, the national perception. Uh, they they want to create this aura that uh, Scott Frost isn't going anywhere. He is the guy that is going to build this program into what it wants to be, and this administration and athletic department is 100% behind him along the way. Well, yeah, they've they've got a $155 million facility upgrade now, and they've they and then they extend Frost. I, I don't know how much more commitment you can really show a coach and a staff, and you know, and I feel like the the whole thing was done. Um, not just because they, they trust and believe in, in what's happening and, and that Frost is the right guy, but I think it had something to do with calming down the fan base a little bit too and maybe sending a message that, hey, look, you know what? This is not going to be a quick fix, but we're in it for the long haul. Scott Frost is in it for the long haul. And, uh, you know, and obviously from my perspective, dealing with recruits, um, you know, that was a big thing too because uh, the, the teams, you get other coaches that are kind of coming out and, and, you know, starting a negative recruit and, and whatnot. And, you know, I think just earlier in that week, ESPN did run an article that was like, is Frost the, is Frost the right guy? Clickbait. You know? Yeah, it was all, yeah, it was all Nebraska. Let's get the Nebraska fans all fired up yeah, and get them to throw click Throw a hot take it. in Nebraska yeah. in the same headline. Let's make, clicks. let's make talk radio in Nebraska today on yeah. our story, basically. Exactly. But it was, it was starting to happen, and, and I think they acted – appropriately and and you know the extension uh you know was it was valid and and i think it it sent the right message for not just for the program but really for for everyone who's paying attention to it you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett uh nate klaus as uh, we give some final thoughts here 
in the opening segment. And, you know, this will be Nebraska's first trip ever out to Maryland. It's the last uh, Big Ten stadium. I, I joked with Andy Kendi on our Friday forecast this week uh, that, you know, I got my Big Ten punch card, my Big 12. I've made them all, Robin. I mean, this is, it's pretty uh, unique um, that Nebraska, this will be, you know, and I don't think they're scheduled to go back out to Maryland uh for a long time or on the at least on the next cycle of schedules yeah I'll, I'll be right there with you this is the last one off the box so did you make baylor i did texas tech i did yep back, so you, you back did the, the back of the daily nebraskan days went to both of those trips i drove <laughs> to those games uh that's that's commitment but yeah uh you know this is gonna be a weird setting i think in a lot of ways you know for one it's a new stadium but two maryland with their program being what it is and nebraska not you know I mean, I guess they're kind of a draw, but not you know like the Ohio State's of the world. But uh, that stadium is going to be barren, I think. It's going to be mostly Nebraska fans. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 50-50 at least, if not more Nebraska fans. I mean, it's going to be uh, an empty, quiet stadium with majority of the, the vocality coming from Nebraska. Uh, and it's supposed to be in the 40s with rain. And so it's just going to be kind of a, a weird, ugly day. So... You know, you talk about you know bring your own you bring your own guts. Nebraska have to bring their own guts just to kind of uh, it's turf cre- though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, cr- create their own uh, momentum behind that one. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be one of those deals where they they better play like it's the Super Bowl because uh, they're probably going to need a little little extra motivation because I don't think that stadium is going to be. I don't know what the what the vibes are going to be like in that stadium. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to discuss Adrian Martinez's game against Wisconsin and also the rise of Dedrick Mills next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, I thought Adrian looked more like the Adrian we all expected Saturday. I thought he ran with a purpose, uh, made some really good throws. Um, you're never going to play a perfect game at any position. Uh, it's just obvious at quarterback to everybody since that's where the eyes are when there aren't good plays. And, and he had a few, I think, that we can still get fixed, but uh, that's a lot closer to the play that we all expect from a player of Adrian's caliber. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Huskers on the road this weekend. That means get in into Tanner's. Uh, watch all the action. Nebraska, Maryland at 2.30. They'll have it on at all the Omaha and the Lincoln Tanner's location. And uh, plenty of other good college football action as well, um, including Ohio State, Penn State. By the way, they're, Ohio State's, a, I think, an 18-point yeah, favorite. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge line. For a top-10 um, matchup. It just tells you how good Ohio State is. Mario Verduzco, you know, joked about that during post-practice. Like, hey, man, um, Ohio State's done that to everybody when he talked about what they did to Maryland, uh, racking up 700 yards um, in that game two weeks ago. But let's let's talk Martinez, guys. Um, it still wasn't the Martinez, in my opinion, from a year ago, the one we saw against Minnesota, the one we saw against Illinois, and even the Iowa game, um, but it was close. I mean, it, Robin, you, you would agree that there were flashes, uh, but you know the sack was a big moment in the game, the tip ball interception. Uh, but you take out those two moments, I mean, it was probably his best game of the year. Yeah, I don't think there's much question about that. And, again, that's relative because he played really, really poorly uh, at times this year. So definitely encouraging to see him get back into form of the type of player we all thought he'd be. Now, again, like you said, it's not perfect by any stretch. You know, he made some pretty critical mistakes uh, that arguably were the difference in that game. But by and large, he made 
far more plays than he missed, which had been a big problem for him where, uh, you know, that just capitalizing on those opportunities uh, was a real issue. And so not only did he, uh, you know, make some throws, but uh, he made some damage, did some damage with his feet, which we all said going into the game was going to be a huge part of Nebraska's chances was they needed to use Adrian as a runner. And I thought just from a decisiveness standpoint and uh, being assertive uh, with those decisions, uh, I thought he was much better than he's been all year, maybe since uh, the fourth quarter of that Illinois game, which, you know, maybe was his best quarter up to that point. Uh, he, he finally put it together for you know the better part of an entire game for the first time. I think the encouraging thing is, is since he's come back from the injury, you know, he's, you've seen some progression. You've seen him get better or, or feel more comfortable. Uh, and I feel like he's got some extra fire to him right now. Uh, just listening to him talk and the way, you know, what he's saying and the way he's saying it. Uh, I feel like he's pretty motivated to, to finish this thing out on a, on a good note and, and so, uh, you know, ideally you would like to see him, you know, go to Maryland and, and play a little bit better than he did against Wisconsin. And, and if they can win that and then, um, you know, improve that against Iowa. So, you know, we'll see. But there's no doubt that he was – that was probably the closest uh, that he's looked to the, the Adrian that we kind of expected uh, that we've seen pretty much all season long, except maybe the, that second half against Illinois. And, guys, in that game they had four turnovers, too. That was the big thing. And Saturday was just the one tip ball interception. And, man, if that ball doesn't get tipped, kind of I know it was wide open. I mean, he was going to get a fairly substantial gain on that play. I did think it was unique how Wisconsin defended Nebraska. They they rarely brought more than three. They, they had three defensive linemen, and at times they were winning against Nebraska's O-line. Uh, but the O-line did play better at times. A lot of the credit, though, with Dedrick Mills, to me, he broke tackles and made guys yeah. miss. Um, Pro Football Focus does a great job with us every week as a partner um, with Husker Online, and they track Dedrick Mills. Uh, he made 11 tacklers miss in that game. Um, so a lot of the damage came with just Mills's pure effort and brute strength and, and kind of how he ran the ball. Well, that was probably the first time, you know, talk about looking comfortable in the offense. That was probably the first time that he really looked like the back you know, that everybody had been t- saying he was uh, after an impressive fall camp, you know, when he first got here. And uh, he, he finally showed that, uh, I guess, explosiveness to make a cut and go where it seemed before like he almost sought out contact and then couldn't break a tackle and so gains that could have been much bigger were settling for three or four yards because uh, he wasn't able to make that that one guy miss well he made a lot of guys miss against Wisconsin and all, you know Wisconsin is a pretty sure tackling team for the most part uh, and for him to make those types of plays I mean, he was he was just out efforting guys uh, on those plays, and he ran he ran hard, he ran determined, and you know that's the first time in a while that uh, you know we've seen a Nebraska running back run with that level of conviction. So uh, hopefully that continues. I think that's the next step for him is can he carry that over and not make it just a one game fluke, especially against a Maryland defense that, uh, as we've mentioned, has had their share of issues. Yeah, he was. There was some runs of his that were kind of violent. I mean, he was he was running with a purpose. There's no doubt. Uh, and I think it does speak to how comfortable he's become in the offense. I know Ryan Held earlier in the week mentioned that, you know, this is his third offense that he's played in this, this year or this during his collegiate career. You know, Georgia Tech, junior college, and now. And all three of those offenses have been vastly different. Um, and so he's been kind of learning on the fly since he wasn't here early. Uh, he's kind of been learning on the fly and, and everything. And, and he mentioned, you know, just how Divino Zigbo, as the season wore on last year, 
uh, became more and more comfortable and, and, and turned himself into a great running back in the system. Uh, he feels like Dedrick Mills is kind of doing the same thing. So, uh, you know, you'd like to see that continue if, if you're Ryan Held, that's for sure. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett, as, as we talk about uh, Dedrick Mills and, and what he showed this past week. Nate, you, you watched Dedrick in junior college. I mean, was that kind of more – what you expected to see from what you saw watching him play uh, down down in the JUCO level? Yeah, I mean, the, what we saw against Wisconsin really did remind me of, of what, what I watched uh, last year in person against uh, Iowa Central uh, when, when we went down there to watch him. I mean, he's a, a physical, violent running back, and and he loves to, to be fed the football. And, and he gets stronger as the game goes along. And I truly do believe that that he's a kind of a, you know, I don't know if you call it a rhythm ball carrier or what, but he gets stronger the more chances that he gets. And um, and they were feeding him the football, and, and he was – I mean, we kind of saw the results. And so, uh, to me, I, I think that's that's kind of the recipe uh, with, with Mills here uh, going forward during his career. Yeah, and it reminds me, you know, even in fall camp, when you know there was a play – one of the practices we actually got to watch, Nebraska was doing their version of the, the Nebraska drill, a.k.a. the Oklahoma drill, uh, and Diedrich had the ball and made a move where he just ran through a tackle, put a move on a guy, and then just blew through an arm tackle – and Ryan Held turns to a group of five or six NFL scouts and says, "That guy runs his butt off." He didn't say butt, but he basically, you know, that that was a flash of, um, you know, what Dedrick Mills brings to the table. And we finally got to see that play out in a game against Wisconsin. Yeah, and, and as you move forward, I think if he can do that again this week, that's what this offense needs. If Martinez and Mills can put a clean, crisp game together and they win here on Saturday. All of a sudden, I think you go in Iowa and, and, and you're really, really feeling good about things and, and you feel like you can have a chance. By the way, guys, Iowa's defense has not allowed more than 24 points in a game this year. They've only allowed more than 20 once, and that was the Wisconsin who scored 24. So points will be at a premium on Black Friday. Yeah, and I think that goes back to consistency, being able to put together more than just one game or even you know a couple quarters of good football together. If they can play well and put together another effort like they did against Maryland, all of a sudden you're playing with some swagger that you're going to need every bit of against Iowa. And now Nebraska's defense uh, will be the topic here as Eric Shenander was pretty shorthanded. His guys fought but just didn't have enough last week. We're going to talk about Nebraska's defensive performance against Wisconsin and much more next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The, the thing that you have to keep emphasizing to these guys is we are beating ourselves right now. And it's not them, it's not me, it's we. We are beating ourselves. It's missing that tackle, missing those tackles, missing a, cute, a few key assignments, get, not getting off the ball on, on uh, or not getting off the field on third down changes the game dramatically. If you can get those things corrected, guys, you may have only given up 10 points and we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as his defensive coordinator. Eric Shenander as the good news with Nebraska, they didn't really allow the big plays. In fact, there were there were there was no runs over 30, only one run longer than 20, um, and one big pass play Wisconsin had. The bad news is there were a lot of seven to nine yard type plays, way too many, um, you know, plays like that for the Badgers. But to be fair for Nebraska, Robin, they were very shorthanded. You can make a case that they were missing their two most physical players on defense up front in Carlos Davis and Darian Daniels. 
Um, and, and, you know, they had to put some guys in some very difficult spots. But the back end of the defense was where the problem was. Lots of missed tackles. Nebraska missed 19 as a defense. Wisconsin missed 18. Uh, but 11 of the 19, according to Pro Football Focus, came from the secondary. And they talked about that this week. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that Jonathan Taylor could run for 200 yards and two touchdowns, and you'd consider it a good day. But that's what it was because, I mean, for the most part, they kept Wisconsin's offense contained. But the issue was uh, how many – you talk, you know, about Diedrich Mills breaking tackles. How many plays did Jonathan Taylor get met by a defender uh, with what would have been a minimal gain and he carries him for another five to – you know, seven yards and turns uh, a, a mediocre game into a first down. I mean, that happened far too often. Uh, or there was cases where defenders just took a terrible angle and flat out missed. Uh, you watch some of the highlights of, of Taylor's runs. Uh, some of those defensive backs just completely olay uh, on, on tackles. And I mean, that you, the, the number of missed tackles was terrible on both sides of the ball. But uh, you know, Nebraska, you know, they probably could could have saved themselves a lot of. Um, you know, physical toll in that game had they been able to wrap up and gang tackle the way that they talked about all week uh, needing to be able to do to slow down Wisconsin. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor definitely got his uh, against Nebraska, but didn't he didn't demoralize you. Like, like it, was his, it was his worst game yet against Nebraska. Yeah. Put that into context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, <laughs> but he finished with nearly 700 yards against the Huskers over his career. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but – yeah, the, 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 I think the missed tackles by the secondary is what, what really hurts you, um, not just on on Taylor, but also, um, and I forget who caught that pat, that touchdown pass, that long touchdown. A.J. Taylor. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, it looked like Nebraska should have had him down two or three times, and somehow or another he was able to stay on his feet and, and turn that – Turn that play into a touchdown when uh, that, that probably should never have happened. But, uh, yeah, that's something that Nebraska is definitely going to have to clean up here over these next two games if if they want to you know give themselves a chance to, to get to where they want to go and in the bowl game. I think Cam Taylor-Britt has battled, obviously, his shoulder injury. Boodle has battled. I mean, they, they've all battled some stuff on everyone. Des- Desmuke's been hurt, like, basically all season, yeah. according to Eric Janander. So I think when Desmuke – and Ta- and Cam Taylor Britt are are not a hundred percent with their shoulders. They're having a hard time just finishing and tackling on the back end, which I think that's half the battle at this point. Yeah, it's hard to come in and you know go hundred percent authority on your tackle when you know it's gonna it's gonna sting you pretty good. And these guys are playing through a lot right now. I actually talked to Cam Taylor Britt earlier this week and. Uh, you know, he said that you know he and he and Markel uh, lean on each other a lot because they're both playing through some some pretty good pain right now, uh, and you know they've had to take on a, a workload that uh, has has been difficult on, on them physically. So you know for them to hold up the way that they have, you got to commend them. But certainly that's having an impact in just you know efforts like we saw against Wisconsin, just being able to wrap up and make a solo tackle. Yeah, it's crazy all the injuries. Uh, I mean, Deontay Williams goes out. That's a, that's to, a bigger. Th- looking back on the yeah. season, that's going to be a bigger blow than I think most people are going to appreciate. Because then Cam Taylor Britt could be your it changed true, everything. He could be it your true nickel right at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. and that was the plan to move him around all those different spots, play him inside, outside, nickel, whatever. Yeah, yeah that that really did change everything. And then then you add in um, you know guys being banged up like Markel and and Cam Taylor Britt. And then a lot of those younger guys too, you know, as the depth kind of Paula Gates yeah, and Javen Wright are out. Yeah, with they're surgeries. out with surgeries. Um, you know, it's so I mean, shoot, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at your scholarship uh, defensive backs and you're going, man, we're we're pretty thin here. And and then you move on to the, 
however many Eli the other Sullivan positions. hasn't played in a long time either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he they, hasn't. They either. just kind of lost favor with him, or or what? Because he played significant snaps early in the year. Yeah, and, and he, I mean, when he was out there, he was doing fairly well. So I mean, I don't know what he would have done to, you know, to get in the doghouse, or I don't know if that's what you want to say, but you know, if what he would have done to lose favor with the staff. And it sounds like that move of putting Boodle at safety is something they're going to stick with uh, going forward, at least for this year. I think they like Cam Taylor better on the perimeter than they do at safety. Um, and I think they, they feel comfortable enough with Boodle considering where their safety depth depth is right now. Well, and then you look at the defensive line guys with, with the two guys out. I mean, we knew Darian Daniels was going to be out, but what if I told you this on Saturday, Robin, and Maryland trip? We're going to go out to Maryland. I worked practice all week with you. We get to Maryland, and I'm just going to tell you on Saturday. You know what? I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to work the game. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what happened with with um, Carlos Davis. He practiced all week. He went through Friday night with the team at the hotel. Saturday morning, he tells the staff he's not good enough to go. And I know Frost didn't want to come out and say it like this, but there was disappointment. No one's going to lie, try to sugarcoat that. I think there was a lot of disappointment in that, and um, it caught everybody by surprise, and it forced them to play Finn Anderson at nose um, you know, against an All-American center, and Ty Robinson had to play some nose in that game against an All-American center. Um, so that Carlos Davis deal was fairly significant just to drop on the staff on game day. Well, all of a sudden you're left without two-thirds of your starting defensive line. I mean, that's difficult enough to overcome. Uh, against a great running team. Let alone against the, one of the best rushing attacks in college football. So, uh, again, that's what makes you look back. Yeah, Wisconsin put up a ton of numbers, but considering the circumstances, Nebraska – answered the call pretty well. I mean, well enough for you know them to have a chance to win that game, which all things considered is about all you can ask for. But yeah, the Davis thing, it makes you wonder if there was more to that. Uh, you know, Frost came back later, I think on Monday, and said that, you know, they, they knew he was banged up, but he was able to practice. They just didn't know it was going to be an injury significant enough to make him miss the game. And so I think that's where the surprise element came in. Like the fact that he was hurt wasn't the issue, but the fact that it apparently was that bad, uh, I don't think anybody really knew it until Carlos came to him on Saturday morning. Well, there's a big difference between maybe seeing your reps go down or, or be limited in, in the reps that you can give and not, not even suiting up right. or not even being able to play. Um, but I'll tell you what, from, from talking with Tony Tuioti, he was pretty impressed with, with the way that Finn Anderson and especially uh, Ty Robinson were able to step up and, and play. And even Ben Stilley mentioned, you know, when, when you got a guy, a true freshman, going out there for really his first extended play. And, against and going, Wisconsin. Yeah, against Wisconsin, against an All-American center. Ty Robinson did a hell of a job, and, and he didn't give up any catastrophic plays. Stilley said, you know what, when you're a true freshman – um, you, you, you're just kind of trying not to give up that, that big time play and get completely exposed the, the defense to, you know, have being in the wrong gap or whatever and exposing the defense to a, a monster play. And, and he didn't do that. I mean, he, he played really well. And, uh, I think that he's going to have a bright future. You're listening here to the Husker online show. Um, as we talk defensive storylines and Keem green hardly played at all. So it kind of tells you where he's at maybe with his development. He still has a ways to go as both Ty Robinson and Finn Anderson played significantly uh, more um, in this game. Yeah, it sounded like Toyote said that the big thing with him, with Keem, is playing like he's the biggest, strongest guy on the field. Because right now, I mean, he is that guy. He's just not playing like it. All right, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. Mike Wheeler will join us in studio next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
one of the other things I we all really appreciated about this school and the Big Ten in general is there's some uh, length to coaching tenures in this league. That's not always the case in a couple other uh, Power Five leagues. Like I said, I'm grateful to, to Ronnie and Bill and the leadership on this campus for having faith in us. This was a, a fix, and we're in the process of getting it fixed, and it's going to happen, but grateful for the people in Nebraska that are as impatient as I am, but that trust us, and grateful to the people on campus that uh, that trust us as well. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost uh, discussing his contract extension that brings him out through 2026. It's time now. Now for the mailbag, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler. Mike, what do you have to lead us off in the mailbag? All right, guys, so you kind of talked about this, but after watching the game this past Saturday against Wisconsin, do you think that Nebraska has, in fact, closed the gap with them when it comes to size, speed, strength, and physicality and all that? I mean, I, I still think depth and size, they're still a ways away. I mean, Wisconsin – had control of that game in the trenches for the most part. I mean, they, they rushed three defensive linemen and got to got to Martinez and created pressure with three. Um, so I think Nebraska has improved in the last couple of years. Um, but to say they've closed it, I, I, I you know, I, I still think, you know, in life without Jonathan Taylor will tell us a lot next year about Wisconsin as well. Yeah, I don't think it was nearly as obvious as it has been in previous matchups, but uh, there's still a gap there, but yeah, I think there has been some gains made. You know, I think especially on Nebraska's offensive line against Wisconsin's defense. I mean, the the running stats speak for themselves that Nebraska was able to control the line of scrimmage for maybe the first time since 2012 in this matchup. That uh, you know they they were actually able to have some balance offensively and um, you know even the playing field at least on that side of the ball. Now defense has a long way to go, especially with its tackling and being able to hold up for four quarters. But um, they're making small but steady improvements in that regard yeah they're making gains and and i think that's all you can really ask for uh, at this point in time it's it's going to be uh, continue to be a work in progress but i think anytime you can look back and say well that was probably you know that was arguably the best day the offensive line had had and that comes against wisconsin's defense i think that's that's definitely an improvement all right, guys, so uh, now two games left now in the season. Nebraska needs exactly two wins to uh, become bowl eligible. What percentage chance do you actually give the Huskers now to make it to a postseason game? I mean, I think if they get the win this week, and I think they will, and they, and they look good doing it, I mean, I'd give them about a 35% chance to beat Iowa. Yeah, I'm not going to go that high because that would require Nebraska to put together two straight games of solid football, and they haven't done that all season. Uh, they haven't even put together four straight quarters of good football. And Iowa's defensive numbers are worth yeah. noting. And that's so I just I mean, sure they'll have a chance, but I'm going to put it lower. I'll go like 15 to 20 percent. I'm going to be the optimist, I guess. Um, Homer. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think they take care of business. Take your coach's polo off. And <laughs> I think they take care of business against Maryland. And, and you know what? I, I think that that gives, you, that gives you maybe a little bit of an edge or at least maybe evens the playing field just a little bit more. And you're at home. Iowa. Yeah, you're at home. You, you, there's, there's definitely a lot on the line. Um, so, you know, I, I would say – 37 percent who you went higher just than my 35 a, just a couple <laughs> higher than your 35 so a three-eighths of a chance uh yes yep all right <laughs> there you go all right guys heading over to basketball here uh is there any sort of update that we can get on Shamil Stevenson or whether or not the NCAA is gonna 
grant that waiver? You know, we haven't heard a whole lot on that front lately from him, Robin. Yeah, nothing. Uh, and that's kind of the way the NCAA operates. You know, you can't just – Fred Hoiberg can't call the NCAA and say, hey, what's, what's the latest on that waiver? Uh, they call you when they're ready to let you know if there's any news on that. So Nebraska's left kind of with their – hands tied behind their back and hoping for the best. Uh, Shamil's still practicing as if he's going to be eligible any day. Uh, but, you know, for the time being, um, what's going to be interesting is they're going to be in a situation where you have to make a judgment call. Of if he misses enough time, is it worth playing him this season? Um, you know, waiver or not? Uh, because if he does, then he'll only have one more year of eligibility. Whereas if you redshirt him this year, which that is still on the table, uh, then you could come back next year with two full years as a redshirt junior. So um, the longer this goes, the less likely uh, you are to see Shamil Stevenson play this season. All right, heading over to recruiting. Uh, we heard on Wednesday, actually, that Nebraska will be getting the final visit from a four-star all-purpose back named uh, Jaquavius Marks. Currently committed to Mississippi State, but uh, what news do you have on that? Uh, yeah, so Jaquavius Marks, you know, taking that official visit on on the 13th, um, you know, and, and I think that caught some people by surprise. Um, not, you know, not just because he's a four star uh, that that we, we we really haven't heard much about, but that he's a, a running back. And Nebraska's had their two running back commits for a long time now, and, and Marvin Scott, and of course uh, Sevion Morrison. But I think with the departure of Maurice Washington, um, and we've seen you know kind of the lack of depth, or at least the lack of players that, that they fully trust uh, at, at the running back position, they need some more bodies back there. And so I, I think it does make sense to bring in Jaquavius Marks. And, um, you know, he's committed to Mississippi State. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Moorhead possibly leaving. He's he's visited Wisconsin, uh, which I think, you know, it kind of tells you if Wisconsin is interested, that he's, he's a really good player. Um, you know, he's going to be taking a trip to Louisville. And uh, Nebraska kind of gets that last shot there right before the early signing period, which he's going to be doing. So we'll see what happens. What do you got next, Mike? All right, guys. So how else are the walk-ons getting practice work uh, besides the scout team? Some teams uh, maybe do Sunday practices or something like that, but is there anything Nebraska is doing in that way? They do a Friday practice right now, but – Somebody in the chat this week asked Nate and I about this. Um, do, do they do the, uh, the the four stations? And I mean, they haven't done that for twenty years. And and it's I don't even know. If, didn't Nate? I don't even think Solich really did it at that level. Not not like Osborne used to do. I mean, back in the day, they would have three units that would get over a hundred reps of practice. So that would require three scout teams for each unit, and they would have three things going all at one time. And then they would have that going on both sides of the ball. So you might have three scout team offenses, three scout team defenses, three offensive units, three defensive units, and everybody would get a number. It's just not realistic. Well, and the, the thing about it is you used to be able to have a lot more assistants or GAs or whatever that could actually coach on the field and, and be more involved uh, with that, which obviously when you're talking about having that many, you know, scout teams or whatever going you you need all the all hands on deck well now you're, you're kind of limited to the amount of GAs or or coaches that can actually coach and instruct on the field um and and I think that kind of that kind of limits exactly you know how you can operate those stations or whatever that people always feel like Nebraska needs to be doing yeah well another good thing is too with the extra bye week I know they were able to have two of those young guy walk-on scrimmages over the bye weekend so uh as far as just the opportunity for evaluation first-hand evaluation from the coaching staff of those walk-ons 
this year is probably as good as it's going to get. So, you know, what they're lacking maybe in the day-to-day stuff, they at least had another uh, full-on scrimmage to showcase what they could do. What do you got left, Mike? Final question. All right, guys. So you have Bo Pelini, Bill Callahan, and Scott Frost. You get a ha- you get to play around a round of golf with one. You have to be handcuffed to one for a week, and you have to use your 401k to start up a business with one. Who are you going? And you can only take one coach for each. One for each, yep. Uh, and Mike Riley's not one of them. Nope. Just Bo Pelini, Bill Callahan, Scott Frost. Probably a round of golf with Frost because I know he likes to golf, um, enjoys golf, and he, he'd be fun to play around golf with and just be a dude with, got BS with. I'd pr- give my 401K. God, this is tough because I don't want to be handcuffed to Bo Pelini. <laughs> but I, don't, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I also don't want Bo managing my 401K either. Maybe you could play golf with Okay, Bo. I want to play golf with Bo just for the entertainment value of him losing his you-know-what. I'm going to be. Which hand- I've seen happen before. I'm so going to be handcuffed to Frost because no you get at least handle being tied up with him for a while. And Callahan's doing my 401k because that guy was about as meticulous as it comes. Yeah, I'm gonna have the same answers except with uh, Bo. Far by far the most enta- entertaining round that you're gonna have uh, with Frost. You could probably at least you know get some of the benefit of hanging out with Scott Frost for a day. And then yeah, Bill. I think he'd, he'd actually do pretty well with my finance, my finances. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think all three coaches are very bright, uh, but I, I would probably trust Scott or Bill with my finances more than, than well, I don't know, Bo's pretty tight. He, he'd probably, actually, he probably would be pretty good at managing some money. But I, my, my answers are the same. I mean, he same. had Joe Mowgli in his office yeah, for he, a while. Yeah, that's true. Uh, my answer is the same, though. The entertainment value to play golf with, uh, with Bo uh, especially if you could find a way to get under his skin and get him get the competitive juices flowing, uh, there's going to be broken uh, putters. There's going to be clubs <laughs> that are thrown. That, that in itself makes it an easy answer. Absolutely. So yeah, my answers are the same. But uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. All right, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. Thanks, Mike. Can yeah, we come back? Us, uh, we'll talk some recruiting here with Nate Klaus. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, guys are excited. The guys we're recruiting for this class right now, you know, get to spend quite a bit of time in a new facility. I think it'll help us even more when there's plans and and mock-ups of what it's going to look like done. Then it'll help us even more when we break ground. Then it'll help us even more when it's uh, up and usable. We'll continue to show guys uh, the facility and, and resources that, they, that they'll have. And listen, recruiting's competitive, so any advantage we can get uh, we're going to take advantage of And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment, that was head coach Scott Frost um, just discussing Nebraska's new facilities and the impact they've had already on recruiting. Sean Callahan here, Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, tell them about your experience with Coogler Vision. Well, really, my experience could not have gone better. Uh, I had LASIK a couple months ago and has not only corrected my vision, but just made life in general easier. Uh, no more carrying around uh, any glasses or needing contacts or anything like that. Um, and it, it was a breeze. I, I was shocked how easy it was. So I encourage you to check out Coogler uh, Vision to see how they can help you. All right, Nate, uh, we are on the home stretch here, if you can believe it. Um, the way the calendar falls, there's just a few more official visit weekends. In fact, Nebraska will have just three more opportunities 
to bring in official vis- visitors. Coaches can go out on the road for the um, the live period starting December 1st. That's around the corner here, um, just a couple of days after the Iowa game. And then there's just two full weeks before that early signing day the coaches can be out. But Nebraska really got into it this past week. Um, they brought in a large group of kids, a lot from the state of Florida. What were your biggest takeaways you saw from that recruiting weekend? Well, I mean, my biggest takeaway is just how how much the kind of the feel in general has has changed in in a matter of a week or so. Um, and I'll be honest, heading into the Wisconsin game, you know, you're starting to go, you're starting to look at the calendar and go, okay, you know, it's, it's time to time to make a move here, and and you know, you, you're kind of wondering, okay, what's going to happen, and. And then all of a sudden, you've got seven official visitors that make their way in for the Wisconsin An game. 11 a.m. game. For an 11 a.m. game. And out of those seven guys, three or four are highly ranked four-star kids. Um, three of them, you know, three of those, those four stars are, are from, uh, or I'm sorry, from Florida. Um, you know, and, and tip your hat to Travis Fisher and the job that he did and, and getting a lot of these South Florida kids on campus uh, for that game. But uh, now it's it's looking like Nebraska's a legitimate player for the large majority of, the, of those guys. Um, you know, Marcus Fleming decommitted from Miami while he was on campus before he left to to fly back home. Um, and you know, he's a four-star wide receiver who um, you know he's he's from Miami Northwestern High School. I mean, that's typically been a feeder school to the Hurricanes, and so for him to decommit from the the Canes while he's on campus. You know, usually nine times out of ten, when that happens, that that means that that player is going to end up committing to the school that he was <laughs> visiting when when he made the decommitment. So, how did Miami take that? Did you get any word you from your people? I have not. Uh, I have not really heard exactly how Miami is taking that. Um, you know, I think it's. I think they're kind of used to it, to be honest with you. Um, and and this would be the hard thing about recruiting to uh, to Miami is the fact that a lot of these South Florida kids, if when you look on their rivals profiles, you'll see that they've made one, two, three decommitments. Uh, you know, a lot of them commit early as like sophomores in high school, and then they decommit and commit to another school as a junior, and then decommit and commit to another school as a senior. So uh, it's a long process for for a lot of those um, you know those schools in the state of Florida, especially in Miami. Um, but I think Nebraska's in a really good spot with, with Marcus Fleming, and, and he's not your big-bodied wide receiver that I think all the fans are clamoring for. But, uh, I mean, he's got game-changing speed, a 10-3-8, 100-meter electronic guy. You can see one of the fastest kids in the state of Florida, one of the fastest football prospects in the entire country. So, um, you know, and so many other guys, Darian Green-Warren, the four-star corner out of out of California, um, you know, I think Nebraska was kind of sitting fourth or fifth for him before that weekend. And after that weekend, I would say if they're not the leader, they are right there, uh, probably tied for the lead. Um, he told he straight up told me Nebraska threw a major curveball into my recruitment with this. Weekend. The power of the visit. Yeah, the power of the visit. That's and that's kind of it's a game day visit. <clears throat> yep. Big difference. I think for Nebraska, they've got to shoot their gun on Wisconsin and Iowa weekends. I just don't think a December first uh, or December eighth weekend visit is going to carry near the power of what those two weekends are going to give Nebraska. That's right. I mean, you have to get kids in for uh, a game day, unless unless you think that you know what, if we bring them in, we get the last visit right before that early signing period. Then you know that might be that might be a strategy. But you've got to know your kid. Uh, nine times out of ten, I think bringing them in for a game day is the the way to do it. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as 
we talk recruiting, Nate. You know, junior college, we, we knew that Nebraska was looking for um, pass rushers, but receiver, that has really ramped up. Xavier Hutchinson came in, committed to Iowa State. Uh, they've had another Juco guy visit as well. What's your sense on Juco receiver recruiting right now and how much bigger of a priority has that appeared to become? Yeah, right now it's it's still just primarily two two players. It's Omar Manning, the four star. What's going on with Manning? <clears throat> well, I mean, he is he's about as low key as they come. So no one's really getting any information. Not right really, now. but I, I can't tell you that Nebraska is still very much in the mix here. Um, I think he's planning on taking an, another trip or two. Uh, but I mean, he's he had one of the more productive seasons out of you know any junior college receiver in the country, and uh, so I mean he's got he's got a lot of schools after him. So we'll see what happens there. But the Huskers have been on him from very early on, and they've been on him hard. Um, and that's he's the guy that they need. I mean, he's six he's six three, two twenty, two twenty five. I mean, he's he's <laughs> probably almost looks like a linebacker uh, at first glance, more than uh, more than a wide receiver. But they need that big physical presence on the outside, and, and Manning brings that to the table. Xavier Hutchinson, you mentioned, is uh, committed to Iowa State, uh, and he too is very low key. Um, you know, and I think he wanted to handle this visit. He didn't want this thing to, to get a, a bunch of publicity. Um, he's been a commitment to Iowa State since last June, has, has pretty much stayed loyal to them. Um, he's and they're not doing, really, it's a good program yeah, right now. Yeah, and it's, it is a good program right now. Um, you know, and, and he's not really doing any interviews. We were able to catch up with his, his coach, who was pretty diplomatic uh, and, and, and walked the line. Uh, you know, I, I think he was. When you're cheating on your wife, you don't yeah, really want to talk about it. Yeah, do you? He, yeah, he he, mean, he he said, you know what, um, you know, he he kind of he kind of <laughs> gave out props to both Iowa State and Nebraska, and, and didn't really tip his hand one way or the other. So, you know, that's he's obviously interested enough to visit. So we'll see what what happens. But certainly, Nebraska would like to add at least one JUCO wide receiver, and I think if they could get both these guys, they would definitely take them. The neck, and this is the I'm going to be that guy that's in the RSS chat every week, Nate. The next commit for Nebraska is who? <laughs> I think it's going to be Jamoy Hodge, the the linebacker out of uh, Independence Community College. Dream you, baby. Dream you. Uh, and and I think that uh, you know he 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 probably had he not had his official visit to Arizona locked in uh, prior to his his trip to Nebraska, I think there's a good chance he would have committed on the trip. Uh, but he's he's taking the trip to Arizona this weekend. And he told me, he's like, I, I got my, the decision will be made soon. And I said, well, how soon after Arizona? And he's like, pretty, pretty much immediately that, that Monday, probably. So we're, I think we, I think we'll know, uh, by Monday, uh, you know, there's a good chance at least that we know by Monday where Jamoy Hodge is going and, and he's a big piece too. I mean, he's six two, two twenty five, inside linebacker. Um, you know, and, and he, he absolutely loved the trip. It was, has really hit it off very well with Barrett Rude. And, you know, one thing he mentioned to me that I'm kind of surprised more linebacker recruits don't mention is the fact that he's like, you know what, to, to have the opportunity to play for the all-time tackles leader at the University of Nebraska uh, and have him, be, you know, be my position coach. And plus, he, he went on and had a very successful career in the NFL. And, um, you know, it's, it kind of embodies everything there is to, to be about Nebraska football when you look at the whole rude lineage. Uh, you know, I, I think that that carries a lot of weight with him. And, and that's something, I, like I said, I feel like there's, um, you know, that doesn't get brought up as much as you might think. But uh, uh, so I think Jamoy Hodge could be that guy. And, and uh, you know, another thing that 
that got brought up a couple times to me was Scott Frost's contract extension. Um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, between the just the news of that, and then you know, I, you know I'm, I'm sure that it got brought up with with some of the coaches or whatever. But between that contract extension and then the new football facility, you know, those are those are two things that that you know really impress recruits or kind of stuck with recruits this past weekend. Well, recruiting is really ramped up. Nate and Greg Peterson will be down in Tulsa over the weekend as they plan to watch Sevion Morrison in a playoff game. So. Uh, even though the Huskers are on the road and Rob and I will be in Maryland, uh, the recruiting team will be on the road as well. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as things are only just beginning here with recruiting. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.